Yo, monkeys, it's me, P-P-P, the king of bada beans, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time, three-time, three-time world champion. And you, well, you, monkey, you're listening on the S&S Network. Stay tuned or you will feel Big Daddy Cool Diesel slash Kevin Nash. You're listening on the SNS Radio Network. Hey, this is Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle from TNA. And you're listening on the SNS Radio Network. Oh, it's real. It's damn real. This is Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, Mr. Hall of Fame 2011. And you are listening on SNS Radio Network. See ya. And I wouldn't want to be here. Hey, you listen on the SNS Network, and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. The world is listening. Fifth. Uh, One, two, three, four. Fifth. 
Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. This is always the most inappropriate line to say because I'm never sure what to say. But hello and welcome to a new episode of The Whole Indie Show. Ashley is my name, is here. Uh, Randy is apparently away, but it is time for me to, um, I guess, go solo and... I don't know whether this is. I don't think this is going to be a rocker style of separation. I think we will be back. It will probably be something like, um, I guess, Davy Richards. That he's gone off to Japan, but he'll be back next week. Does that make me Kevin Steen? I don't know, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to Kevin Steen later on, people. Don't worry. But first, as ever, we'll go through some of the news stories and basically. I'm kind of, I was kind of um, impressed by the whole Funkasaurus and Sandow thing that's been going on through the past few weeks, but now it seems we've got the purpose for it. Basically, the Funkasaurus is going to be killed off, mainly because of the WWE Films project that he's working on. He's one of the bad guys in it. I can't think what it is off the top of my head, but... It's the yeah. It's it's a like a horror film. No one lives. That's the one. No one lives. It's 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 a serious film, and he's being one. Of, I guess one of the nasty guys, possibly because he's a big chubby guy, and apparently they make uh, good baddies in movies or something. I don't know. But if you if you want to complain about that go to Vince McMahon. This is the same guy that wanted a three-foot cock for Kane, remember, in See No Evil. Thank God. But, yeah, I can... It makes sense, and also I think the Funkasaurus gimmick has kind of run its course. It's not... doesn't need to go any further. Now, the whole AW thing finally had an official word from WWE, so I might as well put it out here. They announced that they've come to. They announced that they came to terms with uh, AW on Friday. The reason that they gave was continued use of offensive and inappropriate marks in public settings. They told TMZ, "Yeah, I'm going to TMZ, but it's pretty much the only source on this because TMZ went heavy with it from the start, kind of thing." So they might as well finish and kill the guy off. Unfortunately, Brian Jossie, playing the character of Jossie Joseph... I don't know how you pronounce it. I apologize, Brian, if you are listening. If you are, that's kind of cool that he's listening to this show. I doubt it will happen, but you never know. Uh, Brian, playing the part of AW, was terminated because he continued to exhibit poor judgment by making offensive and inappropriate comments on live TV and social media. And therefore, Brian basically went on his Twitter again and said that they turned his back on him. Quote, It was the WWE that made me bold and now it's turned its back on me. Just be normal. Shut up and be a yes man so you can collect your check and feel like you're special. Sell out. I remember a time when the WWE didn't care about breaking the mold, but now everyone's so afraid of their own shadow. Remember the fans. Thank you, WWE, for creating me and then killing me because I only portrayed what I grew up watching, WWE. Now, with this, it's obviously 
an awkward situation because I agree with WWE for getting rid of him, but AW Brian, yeah, we'll call him AW because that's what most people know him by. He has a point because he arguably has come in at the wrong time because he was part of the whole ECW or partly part of the ECW, but certainly he was in FCW when the Attitude Era was still kind of there on its last kind of hurrah with the whole DX reunion in 06 and 07, that period. So I, I think he's been the victim of that because I don't think you'd see people like... Uh, the new guys that have come in, like Antonio Cesaro and Ono and Seth Rollins do that. They know that they've been brought into the company during the right, the era, the right era for it to happen. So, yeah, victim of circumstance, whatever you want to look at it, but I hope, I hope AW finds a good role that he can continue doing. In let's say the indie stuff, there's plenty of places that will um, hire him for appearances, no doubt. So try and make the most of it if you can, AW or Brian or whatever he wants to be called. But we'll call him AW as I say because most people go Brian. What Brian Christopher? Paperclip Grandmaster Sexy. Anyway. Now, in retaliation, not retaliation, but in response to this, apparently there was a negative reaction among the backstage people to the firing. But this on Perform Monday Night Raw recorded this week, or recorded, well, it was live, but before it was broadcast, apparently there was a meeting between the people on high backstage and the talent. And they basically said, if you got any problems... Stick your hand up and say that you've got a problem. And nobody did, apparently. The word has. Uh, even despite JTG going uh, on a bit of a rant last week as well on Twitter, which we covered as well last week. So, interesting, but I think there's no point in order to complain with it because it's... It's fair game, and you've got to realise that, okay, Twitter is out there, and you have to be Twitter, but with the whole PG thing over their heads, they've re- it's, it's, it's a fine tightrope, and you know one false move, and you're going down. And there is a safety net, but it's made out of a thorn bush, and it's going to hurt, probably. Anyway... Next thing as well is the issue with the DVDs. And this is a positive issue, massively for me. They revealed that there's... Well, they revealed the list of the DVDs that are going to be coming out later this year. Obviously, the obvious ones are the pay-per-views like Money in the Bank and SummerSlam and Hell in a Cell. And then you've got the ones we already know about, like the Greatest Finishing Moves one, the Rock vs. Cena package, and the re-release slash 
re-update of the Brock Lesnar package. But there's two that have been added to November, which I'm very looking forward to. One is a DVD about the the history and the story of the NWO. And then the second one apparently will also be focusing on the Attitude Era. Probably to coincide as close as they can with WWE 13's release. So, yeah, those are two DVDs which I know those are the American release dates. They probably won't get over here until, certainly in the UK for me, until December. More than likely 2013. But I would be desperate to get both of them. Because Attitude Era is where I came into the watching the stuff. Back in 2000. Okay, it wasn't the height of the Attitude Era, but you still had some of the great moments like the triangle ladder match from WrestleMania 2000 and the probably pretty good, well, actually very good Iron Man match from Judgment Day that year. And then you also had the, right at the end of the year, you had the six-man Hell in a Cell, which, you know, that's the first time I think that I saw the Hell in a Cell and it was featuring six men, despite the fact that obviously previously it had been two. So I guess I thought every Hell in a Cell match had six people. And then it was like, and there's only two people in them only? Oh. And then I went and saw those matches and then I was like, yeah, who cares? They were still just as awesome. You know, I can keep looking at that and thinking, why did mankind want to throw himself on a table? No, just saying, but... Yeah, some very interesting DVD releases. One that also is interesting is the Matt Morgan cryptic photo. He posted the picture up, which basically has a cage door that's smashed up and everything, saying saying in uh, that print thing, I can't remember what it's called, the, the, like, the stuff you can print uh, embossed letters on, which you can like stick on pieces of paper or card. It's got some kind of term, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it basically, the, what the text says, I don't, I don't care about making an impact, in quotations, but I'm ready to start a war. Except war is spelt in mirror images. So if you flip it around, R-A-W, yes, Smackdown. Now, um... I don't know what this is. It, he could be swerving us and that he's actually staying at TNA. Possibly as aces and eights, I don't know. He could be going to WWE, but I wouldn't have thought he'd gone straight to Raw. Or it could be for neither of them. Or he could actually be Bane in a Broadway musical version of Batman. That is... <laughs> Oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to do another Bane impression after uh, how well it's gone down on Open Book, but I don't think I will, so be thankful, listeners. I'm not breaking out the Bane just yet. I might have to if I get that desperate. Now, also something that was interesting was Monday Night Raw and the Ryback situation. Mainly the new theme that he's got 
which is features the feed me more chant in it and they obviously want the fans to chant that rather than chant Goldberg I guess but you know he's he's developed on he's gradually getting better the fact that he's now facing people that like a jobbers now rather than indie people that are brought in to face him I think is a sweet move but I'm just thinking this is in the style of Heidenreich and how much how much have they got support behind him for when he does go big, if he does. I'm guessing he will, but I hope he isn't going to just teeter back into obscurity in a couple of months. Which could happen, because I think we've seen it happen before. Then we've had the whole Kurt Angle apologising for the comments about CM Punk, which I know was talked about a fair bit as well with uh, the Twitter wars that JJ introduced on WNL this past week. Catch the archive. I'll give you another reminder at the end of the show, but that was a nice little segment there, JJ, I will say. Now, uh, that my just two cents on that. Angle was being a idiot CM Punk was also kind of being an idiot because of saying TNA was Bush League because or saying TNA was indie should I say because arguably it isn't it is probably compared to WWE but there's no point in making comparisons which which companies have got major TV deals what that can be seen countrywide TNA WWE. Ring of Honor can't say that. Nobody else can say that apart from that company that we... Uh, Crossfire, that we mentioned last week, could do it. Depending what network it's going to be on, I'm not sure. But Well, I can see what's going on there, but I'm not sure. But, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. The interesting thing as well that this relates to CM Punk is the WWE 13 reveal this week. Uh, this weekend we're going to see the roster reveal for the game. And I'm in, actually impressed by the cast list for this reveal because you've got uh, Corey Ledesma and one of the other people who I can't remember off the top of my head doing a pre-show, but when it comes to the actual reveal, you're going to have apparently JR and Lawler on commentary, CM Punk's going to be there, and Lillian Garcia. I guess introducing them, and apparently their girl's going to be commentating. So you're going to be I'm guessing seeing some matches. Which is a different approach, but I guess with the Attitude Era you really have to feature some sort of publicity with JR and Lawler on commentary because you can't really have a lot of Michael Cole on commentary from stuff that's supposed to be in 98 because he wasn't doing a lot then. He might have been doing some SmackDown back then, but certainly I think he was doing the Raw is War before it turned to the War Zone and it got serious and it had... Stone Cold swearing at everybody. And uh, Triple H dressing up as Kane and getting involved with Katie Vick and all that. 
But yeah, that should be interesting this week. We'll probably mention it more next week. Probably not a great much because it's mainly, you know, I, I try and leave the gaming to open book, but it's worth a mention. And I might give my thoughts on it, but you'll probably get my full thoughts when it comes to open book next week. So obviously open book this Friday will be just before the actual event, about 24 hours or so before it happens. So maybe 18, I don't know. I lose track of time very easily. And we've got social media craziness going on with WWE this week as well with Khloe Kardashian for next week's Raw after SummerSlam and then Paulie D of the Jersey Shore being the person for SummerSlam. To be quite honest, I don't care because Paulie D is famous for, well, I don't even know who he is. And Khloe Kardashian is probably being famous for being the daughter of the woman who had that sex tape. That isn't Paris Hill. Just saying. But final story is the one that just made me SMH, LMFAO, and nearly hang myself. Which is that Warner Brothers and WWE are going to form a tag team, according to this statement from Warner Brothers, that they're going to be solving a spine-crunching mystery. Yes, WWE is going to be co-producing with Warner Brothers a Scooby-Doo animated feature that all revolve around Scooby, Fred, Velma, and all that, solving a mystery at WrestleMania. Ah, God almighty. Just, please, just... Apparently, you know, AJ's going to feature in it. Sin Cara, Santino, Brodus, Kane, Miz, Cena, Triple H... I'm just, I, you know, I'm just going on paper and I'm trying to work out where the swerve's going to be and who's going to be the person that's going to be the, the baddie. And, you know, who's going to get to say the immortal lines, I wouldn't have got away with it if it weren't for you, Crack Horse. Just having a quick look. Oh, they've also revealed some of the script as well. Uh, when Shaggy and Scooby win tickets to WrestleMania, how did they win tickets? Nobody can win tickets to WrestleMania. You have to pay through the nose for them. Come on. It's already unbelievable, this script. The entire gang travels in the mystery machine to WWE City. Stamford, Connecticut? Oh, wow. To attend the epic event. However, when a mysterious ghostly bear appears and threatens to ruin the show... Ghostly bear? It's Chicago. I bet it's Obama. I don't know. I can't remember anybody else that's from Chicago. I can't remember anybody else from Chicago that's famous. I should do. Other than... Well, it won't be CM Punk. Because, well, it could be CM Punk. But he wouldn't need to. Yeah, Ghostly Bear appears and threatens to ruin the show. Scooby, Shaggy, Velma, Daphne and Fred. Why doesn't the Ghostly Bear just turn up and Undertaker turns up and the bear goes, Oh shit, and just runs off. And for the 80 minutes, they can just sit down going, yeah. That was kind of easy, wasn't it? 
Should we just start eating? But apparently Warner Brothers is going to do all the distribution. And WWE is just using its assets and everything to be featured in it. And the voice talent as well. The, the stars will be featured. But yeah. Scooby-Doo meets WWE. <laughs> Am I just thinking now that the 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 entrance music for that or the the opening theme is going to be Scooby Dooby Doo, woo woo woo, you know it. I'm just I'm calling it now, and if they do that, uh, you can blame me for putting it in their heads. Oh, it's not even coming out till 2014. Oh, that's just cheap. How long does it How long does it take to animate something like that? Surely not that long. I mean, I understand Pixar can take two and a half years for a movie because it's in 3D. But this is probably going to be in a 2D animation, probably. Or animated feature, yeah, which will probably be about 60 or 70 minutes long. And, you know, you could probably record the voice sessions in about four days, but I don't know. There you go. That's your stuff. That's all I'm going to cover for at least from my end, but craziness has happened. We have received an email from uh, Sandro. And Sandro's got some bits of news that he he wanted us to uh, get out there for the kind of the, the stuff that I'm certainly not aware of very much of and Obviously, Randy isn't here, but we, we try and touch on it as much as we can. But certainly, the Japanese stuff is tough for me to get because I've got quite a lot of other stuff going on and everything. And Randy does catch it from time to time, certainly. So, but Sandro. Um, emailed in and regards to lucha stuff apparently dragon gate wrestler ricochet will be doing some shows in mexico wrestling for the dtu promotion and he may also be appearing uh i'm this is a spoiler but i'm not giving very much great details but he may be appearing at a tv taping for AAA in the very near future that's happening that's all I'm saying. If you want to find out more info about who's in the match, you can find it yourself. He also adds that Triple Mania 20 that we talked about last week, which we didn't get perfect on it and we didn't get the storylines, which I apologize, but not much of the Triple Mania stuff, not, not much of the Triple A stuff, I should say, I get to see. And obviously, Triple Mania, all I'm going on is by results. But apparently it should air in Mexico this weekend. So hopefully it will be up at some point over the next week or so for me and certainly Randy to watch. I think I, uh, I'm intrigued by it because of the whole stipulations. And it's something that I do like Lucha Libre, but I've never seen probably traditional Lucha Libre. I've only seen it through the main filters like WCW and WWE and everything. So I'll certainly probably catch that if I can. And then regards to some Japanese stuff, 
New Japan, we got Kazushika, Kazushika Okada. He won the G1 Climax title or, or the event, defeating Carl Anderson in the finals and held a press conference that he'll face the IWJP heavyweight champion, whoever it will be at Wrestle Kingdom 7 next year. Because what normally happens, apparently, is the winner of the G1 Climax title faces the heavyweight champ at the Super Show. That happens uh, next month, apparently, in September. But apparently, Okada refused. So instead, Tanahashi, the heavyweight champion, will be facing off against Nam- Naomi. Naromichi Maru Fuji. Again, you know, if I'm doing well with these names, I'm amazed and I must be secretly Mexican and Japanese in a previous life or something. I don't know. But Naromichi Maru Fuji of Pro Wrestling Noah will be taking on Tanahashi for the title uh, in September. Apparently, New Japan also announced as well that a few international wrestlers will be coming during the September tour, which are. Mascara Dorada, Averno, Harry Smith, and Alex Shelley. So, good to see Shelley and Smith back in the action. And Smith, certainly Shelley, but I think Smith as well will do great in Japan, as will uh, Mascara and Averno. And also, uh, a story regarding Pro Wrestling Noah, and that Noah announced their annual junior tag team, or tag league, sorry, few American wrestlers will feature in this, which will be Eddie Edwards will be part of it, Paul London, and Bobby Fish, apparently, as well as Super Crazy will be part of it. The tournament starts next month. And final thing that I'll cover here as well is he, Sandro wanted to give his thoughts on the Mystico 2 stuff, because a new Mystico has arrived in Mexico. Uh, I'll read this out as it comes from Sandro. For those that don't know, there is a new Mystico in CMWL. The reason why there is a new guy is because the product is basically suffering from falling t- attendances and falling TV ratings. So the new Mystico is a wrestler who used to be known apparently as Dragon Lee in the company. They did a big hype for him on TV and also doing radio interviews. The match, apparently, the debut match he had was good and the fans in attendance were cheering more for the new Mystico, but there were some boos. He did botch a few moves, including the finish, but only a couple. But it resulted in his tag partner to get the win. Apparently, the biggest pop came when he did the shooting star press off the top rope. But since then, he's been on the mid-card of every CMWL show. So, yeah, it's, pro- it's probably fair. They give the big debut, but then let him work and make sure he's got the gimmick sorted and everything. Certainly, uh, Sandro gives his... He thinks that it'll be about six months before he starts wrestling in main events, which I think is fair. Certainly, he's obviously, as I say, le- learning to get to grips. And yeah, I think you could probably see six months is a f- good enough time for him to 
touch touch base. I'm going management talk. Sorry, people. <laughs> Certainly get up to speed and then be prepared for the for the main events week after week for the live shows and whatever. So I will say thanks to that, Sandro. Uh, hope hopefully you can give us more and give your own thoughts on any of the shows that you get to see. I know that Sandro posted on the Facebook page a few of the clips from the, I think it was the New Japan show that happened a few weeks back where Joe and Magnus won the tag titles. As well as uh, a few other matches that I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think the Von Eriks also, or one of the Von Eriks debuted in Japan. But thanks, Sandro, and remember you can get in touch with us via email. We've got, I think, some emails. We've got a dedicated email thing being set up as well, so. But I need to talk with Randy about that, so hopefully I can get with him over the next few days and we can discuss that and. So for the time being, keep with the uh, keep with the address that we're using just for the minute. In the next few weeks, we'll probably transfer over to the other one. But for the time being, you can get in touch by emailing sns.twis at yahoo.com. Once again, that's sns.twis at yahoo.com. So with that, we're going to take a quick break, and I think the plan was to talk some CZW, but I haven't seen that because I'm very wary of CZW, and I don't really want to list off the results because I want to try and get the opinion on the matches, so I'll probably hold that off to next week. But one thing I did manage to catch in the last few days was the Ring of Honor Boiling Point event that happened this past weekend. So I will give my thoughts and rundown of everything that happened in that. So here's some commercials, and we'll see you in a few minutes. So let me put my clip in. Watch this thing and start flipping. My, why must they always be tripping? Shut up, what up? Fool tried to nut up. Dropped again, grabbed the shake, the fool got cut up. Why'd you jump I got hit from behind. Now a nigga like me, I got to go for mine. Break it on, me. Make the bells ring when you hit that pavement. What a feeling, it's on. Crack like a baseball bat. Oh shit. His charm is so contagious, vaccines have been created for it. Years ago, he built a city out of blocks. Today, over 600,000 people live and work there. He is the only man to ever ace a Rorschach test. Every time he goes for a swim, dolphins appear. 
alien abductors have asked him to probe them. If he were to give you directions, you'd never get lost, and you'd arrive at least five minutes early. His legend precedes him, the way lightning precedes thunder. He is... JJ the most interesting man in the world. He has amassed an incredibly large DVD library, and it is said that he never once alphabetized it. If he were to mail a letter without postage, it would still get there. When it is raining, it is because he's thinking about something sad. The pheromones he secretes have been known to affect people miles away in a slight but measurable way. He once punched a magician. That's right, you heard me. His blood smells like cologne. His hands feel like rich brown suede. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I listen to Wrestling News Live. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty. Standing ovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled to take you back in time. Host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman brings you Pro Wrestling Nostalgia, featuring classic moments and old school themes. So buckle up and go beyond the bell. Each and every week on the SNS Radio Network, it's go time. Hey guys, it's Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ, all caps, sexy of the SNS Radio Network. If you're looking for the latest news in professional wrestling and, of course, some of the best columns on the World Wide Web today, visit headlocks2headlines.com. That's headlocks, the number two, headlines.com. It's the official news site of the SNS Radio Network. You should make it your official news site as well. Once again, www.headlocks2headlines.com. Hopefully normal service will be resumed next week. But while I'm here, I might as well talk about... I might as well do a review of my own rather than... Because the last couple of weeks, I will admit, Randy's been doing a lot of it, mainly because the CZW stuff I don't really try and catch and shimmer. 
I haven't seen, but I'm certainly hoping to try and see some of it because yeah, you got a British world champion. That's that's genius enough. But we'll get to that. But what I will say is I managed to catch, the, as I said before the break, the boiling point. We go on a pay per view from this past weekend. So, or from last weekend, should I say? Because I know this is going up on Saturday now. So, don't worry. I'm trying to relocate here. Well, not relocate, just work things out in my mind because I'm going solo. But bear with me, people. So we started off with the challenge match, which was Roderick Strong versus Mike Mondo. And I will say this was a very good opening match. Good action between the two. Some very nice spots as well, some nice physical spots. Certainly... There was quite a bit of outside work as well with the, uh, I think it, was, it got up to about a 15 count and then the 20 count happened. There was a nice bit as well where they were outside and Strong was chopping him and Mondo in response was headbutting Roderick and he got it wrong that Roderick had his nose busted open. <laughs> Which apparently is a nasty thing that can happen if you're in a wrestling match. But So yeah, blood did get spilt. The finish actually came with a leaping knee from Strong and then that's the, the sick kick that he does to get the win. But overall, very impressed, good, strong opening match. Next, we had the... The one which completely was new to me because I didn't know any of the people, even though they had been apparently shown on Ring of Honor TV, but I haven't been able to catch that over the last few recent weeks. It was the four-corner survival match with the winner getting a Ring of Honor contract between God's Gift Cutie Marshall, the product Antonio Thomas, Matt Tavern, and Vinnie Marsaglia. Which wasn't a bad match, but with the way this was, I think it was tag rules. So only two people could be in at any one time. Some very nice spots, especially with the... There was a bit with a... I think there was a monkey flip or a flip jump from the ring to the outside and all four people were down on the floor outside. I can't remember. This wasn't as good a match, but it was still an entertaining match. I think there were there were young guys from PWF Northeast, from the local uh, company that comes from Rhode Island or nearby. So I wasn't aware from them. And the commentator actually was a spitting image, not a spitting image, but his voice was a sounder like to Joey Styles. Nearly, it was. Very similar to that. I wouldn't say it was actually it, but it was. It was. I'd say relatively similar. If you if you saw Joey Styles with the same voice, you'd probably think it might have been him. Just my thoughts, anyway. But the win happened with a running dominator by QT Marshall on Matt Tavern. So the guy that I thought was going to win got pinned and lost. And QT Marshall gets the contract. 
Next, we had the Proving Grounds match with Adam Cole versus Bob Evans. Bob Evans apparently is 48, although there's no actual guarantee of how old he is, so I don't know, but they worked this well, because on paper it seemed like a squash match, because I don't know very much about Bob Evans, but I know a lot about Adam Cole. But they did it very well that Bob Evans being the experienced guy and the quote-unquote trainer was doing a lot with basically putting him putting him into school kind of thing but eventually it got to a point when Adam Cole manages to get the figure four locked in and get the win but I will say it was a very good match I was actually impressed with Bob and what he did considering he doesn't get in the ring that much I know he got in the ring according to the the shot that I saw from he was in a previous Ring of Honor match, but or TV match in, over the previous weeks building up to the pay-per-view, but it was very good. Probably not as good as the first match, but still a strong match to actually have on a pay-per-view, so full props there. Next, we had uh, a little bit with... Well, it, before we got to the match, we had Truth Martini basically coming in and saying that at Death Before Dishonor, which is the next pay-per-view in September, Rhino, who is part of the House of Truth, will be taking on whoever the champion is. And that will be when Rhino wins. And then Elgin says, I've got an announcement. I'm going to face the world champion in Toronto at Glory by Honor. But then Strong says, hang on. Truth Martini promised it to me. And then Strong basically goes on strike from the House of Truth. So the interesting thing is, the guy that everybody wants to turn face, Elgin, is being portrayed as the heel. Because he's still siding kind of with, is still with this House of Truth posse but strong stepped away and he's doing his own thing and during the match that happened which was it was a return match from the last death before dishonor death before dishonor nine which was elgin versus charlie haas there uh, there was an interesting uh point where they did a we want chelton chant which obviously couldn't happen given that shelton's in japan Although the excuse that they gave was because he hit the All-Night Express heavily with a chair. So he got suspended for 60 days. Somehow I don't believe that. But anyway, it was a very good match. I guess Stone Cold came out with a chair and a pack of beers. And started drinking the beers. And then he started trying to get involved with the match and trying to side with Charlie Haas and see if he could get the win. And then all sorts of stuff happened. Uh, Truth Martini got sprayed in the face, I think, by Haas or by Elgin. 
And then the finish came with a spray in the face from Strong into Elgin. Which you could tell Elgin was pissed. So that leads to Haas getting a roll up on Elgin and getting the three count. So continuing descent in the House of Truth. But obviously House of Truth is going to feature majorly in the next couple of pay-per-views because at the next one you got Rhino taking on whoever the champion is. And then the month after at Glory by Honor, you've got Elgin taking on whoever the champion is at that event in Toronto. So we'll wait and see. But certainly Truth Martini and his crazy hair will be certainly present for the next couple of months. Next, they they actually, before they go to the tag team grudge match, they show a clip from a house show where apparently Mark Briscoe dived ECW style from a balcony onto the guys. I don't know if it was Jimmy Jacobs or all three of them, but certainly there was a big dive from uh, the balcony of the arena where they were having the match, which was... A pretty sick old school ECW like style spot, or even XPW. But anyway, yeah, we had the grudge match with the Briscoes taking on Scum, which was Jimmy Jacobs and Steve Carino. Good little match because obviously these guys have certainly Jacobs and the Briscoes have got history, Age of the Fall, and everything. If you don't know what we're talking about, I think we talked about it. Uh, a few weeks back as well, on the first whole indie show when we talked about top 10 uh, most shocking Ring of Honor moments. So c- catch that one in the archive if you d- didn't hear it the first time. There was a nice nice little spots as well. There was... Uh, well, it finished with an inward ace crusher. Well, no, it was an inward ace crusher by Jacobs, which was a near fall, but then the... Jacobs went for the Contra code or the sliced bread and Jay stopped him and then Doomsday device and they got the win. But there were some nice bits as well. I think there was an acrobatic bit. It was a, yeah, it was a moonsault, I think, from the top rope onto a group of guys below from Mark. But overall, it was very impressive tag match and I, I was pleased with it as well. And, yeah, it was, it was interesting that you also had the guys, both guys celebrating the ring, even though they lost. Scum did celebrate, and the crowd was 50-50 on them, which you'd expect, because they're kind of like the guys you love to hate or the guys you love. It's that kind of situation. Then they had the intermission, and... When they came back, it was a two out of three falls match between Jay Lethal and Tommaso Ciampa with R.D. Evans, the referee with the Dickie Bar. Now, this was interesting as well. That The surprise was that pretty much straight away when they got to the outside, Ciampa got down and what looked it looked like a knee injury whether it was a work or not I'm not sure but he looked to be hurt but lethal did the lethal injection followed by the lethal combination and 
got the pinfall, and I was like, wow, that was a quick fall. Hopefully this match goes on for longer. Thankfully it did, because we had uh, Champa get the second fall with the Project Champa to tie, to tie things up and get the draw. But there was, there was, it was basically mostly the, a good match between Champa and Lethal, head on. And then the third fall was very controversial. I think we had, yeah, R.D. Evans got up on the apron and distracted the referee. Champa low blowed, uh, hit Champa low blowed lethal. Then Prince Nana came out, formerly, you know, siding with Tommaso Champa, but now uh, the embassy, I think, was disbanded. He saw off R.D. Evans into the barricade, but then Champa clotheslined Nana over the same barricade as well, which was a pretty nice spot. Then when they got in, when he got back in, Champa, the referee was still looking as to what was happening with the barrier. And lethal low-blowed Champa. And then did the non-handspring version of the lethal injection to get the win. So, yeah, they see interesting there with lethal doing a heelish thing to get the victory, which I guess is fair because the guy's back was turned and... Champa also tried to lo- low-blowed him and tried to get the win that way. But it seems like they're possibly, you know, Lethal may be turning heel because he can't get anywhere. Because he's been on the undercard for quite a while. and I'm guessing they could be trying to put... They could push him to be in the main event. But anyway. Next up, we had the penultimate match which was the mixed tag team grudge match which was Eddie Edwards and Sarah Del Rey versus Mike Bennett and Maria Canellas which was a brilliant match they all did the code of honor thing which was cool and the thing as well with this match sometimes with mixed tag team matches it's men men women women only but in this one they decided to go no Sarah Del Rey can beat up Mike Bennett. Maria, if she wants to, can beat up Eddie Edwards. The other way around, though, Eddie Edwards didn't really try to go mega violent on Maria, whereas Mike was just desperate to take out Del Rey. Very good match, though, I will say. Some nice spots from all of them. First time I've seen Sarah Del Rey, obvious, in action since she signed with WWE, so I guess this was her farewell match to Ring of Honor for all she's done for them. And she did very well, I will say that. Very impressed with her. And she looked more impressive than quite a lot of the men on that night. Which is not surprising, considering that's where she grew up and everything, but pleased to see her and with the with the amount of work that she did and the amount of skill that she has if she is going to be part of training some of the divas up 
he's going to be a very strong asset for WWE. So fair play to her on that. The best bit was it actually came to the end where Edwards managed to get the Achilles lock on. Um, managed to get the Achilles lock on Bennett, and then Maria tried to stop her. So then Sarah put the ankle lock on, but Maria crawled under the ring. Sarah went after her. Then Bennett managed to put the Achilles lock on Edwards, but then Sarah comes or yeah, Sarah comes out and she's only holding Maria's bra. Yes, apparently Maria is topless. Which, you know, I, I was with Nigel McGuinness, who was on commentary. I was like, I want to look under the ring. No, I'm going in. Kind of like, a, that was t- total like Bobby Heenan kind of like, I'm going in. I'm just to see what's going on down there. Which was nice. I, you know, Nigel McGuinness, I think he's one of the best color commentators out there this year. I'd certainly put him up there if we're going to do a color commentator of a year award here on whole indie show he's certainly up there but Sarah throws the bra at Bennett which distracts him she kicks him in the head and then Edwards puts the Achilles lock again and Bennett just has to tap out and then to finish Bobby Cruz's jacket goes over Maria's apparent boobs and she gets out quickly and then the whole crowd did a thank you Sarah chant very impressed by this. Great mixed tag team match. Puts Maria and Mike Bennett over quite a lot as well. As give Eddie Edwards a little bit, which if he is going to Japan, he's probably going to get some time away from Ring of Honor for for the time being. And if it was Sarah's last match for Ring of Honor for a while, if she does go back, that it was a nice way for her to go out, certainly. So then we finished with the world title match. The grand champion of Shikara, Eddie Kingston, the last of a dying breed, as they call him, taking on wrestling's worst nightmare, Kevin Steen. The best thing is, I don't know whether... I think they showed it and he did have it last month. Kevin Steen's new T-shirt is an exact copy of the one that he had when he faced Rock with the rise above hate thing, except it says kill Steen kill. Which is... I'm loving that already. Well done, Kevin. So he comes out accompanied by Carino and Jacobs. Pretty soon after that starts, though, Kingston takes him to the back and gets rid of him. Then there's some pretty nasty spots. One, there was a suplex, I believe, onto a metal sheet that had been pulled from the guardrail. There was also... Some one of the big spots was actually Steen power bombing Eddie through a table, which was pretty incredible, I will say. The interesting thing that evolved from this, though, is we had we had the holy chit chance, but then it looked like the thing was going to be cancelled because. Kingston was complaining and they were trying to get a stretcher for him. Now, before this match started, they had lots of video packages in the interval as to how the match came about. 
and the match was dedicated to or Eddie wanted to dedicate it to Larry Sweeney who died I think two years ago or last year I can't remember but he died he died tragically young and Eddie wanted to give the tribute to him so what does Steen do he basically has a row with one of the fans but then brings up Sweeney and says you're going out on a stretcher Sweeney will say you're an F- you're a fucking pussy, which just incensed Kingston, and then it kept going on. There was some really big bits as well. Kingston did a backdrop driver through the chair, and it looked like he was going to get the win, but then Carino pulled the referee out. Rhett Titus came out and then went after Carino. Then Jimmy Jacobs made a run in while they went to the back. But Kingston saw him off and hit him with the spinning back fist. Then Steen low-blowed him, but that wasn't good enough. Then did the F-Sync, or the F-5, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, we'll call it the F-Sync, because that's what he calls it. But Kingston manages to kick out, and then... Steen gets two chairs ready, so it looks like we're getting ready for a chair spot. Kingston spits in his face. Steen then does the kiss of death, as he calls it, which is a proper kiss. Lifts up Kingston. F-sinks him through the two propped up, already smashed up steel chairs, and gets the win. So, Kevin Steen is still champion. But then after the match, just to really twist things up, Steen goes to the fans and hits two of them in the face. Which is one story that I left out from the news because it ties in with it here. There seems to be conflicting reports. Ring of Honor's put a statement out, as you'd expect, saying this kind of stuff won't be tolerated. But we've also heard reports that they were some of the guys from... Brutal Bob's Evans talent scheme or from the local promotion that got the push earlier on the night, PWF or whatever it was. So look at it however you want to, but I'd certainly say that it probably is a factor that they are other wrestlers and they're just staged and they're, they're just doing it as some kind of probably publicity thing or trying to progress the storyline with Kevin Steen falling out of favour and everything with the Ring of Honor people. But other than that, I have to say, overall, very good, perhaps even excellent show from Ring of Honor. If I have to give it a rating out of 5, it would probably be 4, possibly 4.5. Pretty much every match on the card was a very entertaining, very good match, apart from the four-way match, which was the the contract, the RRH contract match. But even that was still a decent match. It wasn't anything like a Ryback squash match or a go or some kind of stupid match that only lasts a couple of minutes on impact or anything like that. So we'll see, we'll see what goes on next uh, next month. Obviously, you got the Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor 10 event going on, which no doubt we'll cover. 
but um, certainly Randy will probably give his or give uh, some abbreviated thoughts on it next week because I don't really want to go through the whole thing again. But we'll try and get his thoughts with it as well as the, the I think it's the, the CCW Tangled Web Five show. We'll try and get his thoughts on that, and then also there's going to have to probably be mega lots of reviews next week to do on the show because there's a few events coming up this weekend as well last week you had Ring of Honor TNA and CZW this week WWE and Shikara having various events so I think with that we'll take a quick break when we come back we're going to go through well not my predictions for SummerSlam but I'll go through the card for you certainly and we'll also go through and give my picks, or as much the picks that I can give, certainly, with regards to the Shikara matches that are coming up this weekend, or happening this weekend. Because some of them might have already happened when you were listening to this. Again, the perils of recording midweek for a weekend, but hey, there you go. We'll catch you in a few minutes with more from the whole indie show. SNS Radio Network gets in the ring and starts running the ropes. When I want, I, okay, I want, I caught SmackDown again. I caught, she, I skipped Sheffield's gimmick, and I couldn't help but to think that his new gimmick sounds like an Arby's uh, roast beef sandwich. Join Brian Maverick Bertrand and Chris Kelly from HeadlockSandlines.com as they talk about every random thing going on within the WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, and the NorCal Independent Scene. Running the Ropes also features interviews with stars from the past. It's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. Present. What's going on? This is Kazarian. And this is the fallen angel, Christopher Daniels. And future. Hey guys, it's Rima Fakis. And so much more. So join the guys every week on Running the Ropes, right here on the SNS Radio Network. of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W. And each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. 
exclusively on the SMS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. What is up, my SNS peeps? I am the Sensational Sequel, Sensational Sean. And Ashley, too. Yes, it's still my name. I haven't changed it yet. If you don't know who we are, I mean, we have this really cool show on the SNS Radio Network. It's called The Open Book. We cover wrestling, any, like, big news that happens in the week, but we more so cover the pay-per-views. We talk about how they went and how we think they should have gone. We cover a little thing called fantasy booking. We also cover all the biggest gaming news, games that have come out, and game reviews. Plus, we've got the latest from the world of film entertainment. Also, perhaps an off-so-regular performance by me in the reviews of movies, too. This is The Open Book. Catch us every week right here at the SNS Radio Network. whole indie show Ashley is my only name because I'm the only one here Randy should be back next week but in the meantime it's some more picks except for me it's not really picks it's just giving you the cards because Shikara I admittedly probably haven't seen enough of in order to give an informative opinion but I'll certainly give my thoughts on a few of the matches and I don't want to give my thoughts with regards to SummerSlam because you've probably already heard them with the open book, which cheap plug for that, but we'll get to the full cheap plugs and the publicity when we get to the end of the show, which isn't far people, probably. Anyway, the card that's for SummerSlam, you've got the pre-show on YouTube with Santino defending his US title against Antonio Cesaro, which, as I said on Open Book, is probably about a month overdue. And then we've got in the, I guess, the undercard matches, we've got Kane versus Daniel Bryan, which will probably feature Charlie Sheen. Dolph Ziggler versus Chris Jericho, which will probably be match of the night. 
Miz versus Mysterio for the Intercontinental title, which has got promise as well. And you got R Truth and Kofi defending against the primetime players for the tag team titles. And I think you could have a title change there as well. But, you know, I've probably already mentioned that as well, as I said on uh, Open Book. But obviously, primetime players, I just, every time I think of that, it's AW, and no, he's not there. And then with the main event matches, arguably you've got three. You've got the World Heavyweight title match, which was just reconfirmed on SmackDown this past Friday, with Booker T, uh, Booker T thanks to Sheamus basically begging for it. Sheamus defends the title against Del Rio. I somehow think I kind of see what's happening there. The one where I'm not sure what's happening is the triple threat WWE title match with CM Punk taking on Big Show and Cena. It'd be interesting to see whether they keep the title there or change it, but I've given my thoughts on probably who will win uh, on open book. And then probable main event, it may not be, who knows, Triple H versus Lesnar. And Shawn Michaels, as shown on last week's Raw, will certainly not be a part of it because... Oh my God, you broke his arm! Yeah, that isn't an impression of Paul Heyman. It's just kind of that kind of expression that was used when it happened. Kind of similar to when he was going, What are you doing? In that weird kind of voice that Paul has, but... That's an interesting one as well because I've just got a feeling that somehow a WrestleMania match is going to be organised from it. Whether it involves Sean, whether it involves Undertaker, whether it involves whoever, but my full theory was on open book. So I don't want to go too much more into it than I've already done, so I will leave it there. But as well this weekend, we got... Certainly that I'm aware of, we've got some Shikara events. We start off with the Shooter Crooked Arrow event for the coming this Saturday, the 17th of August. We've got the Young Lions Cup X, or the Young Lions Cup 10, should I say, semi-finals. With ACH taking on Jacob Hammermeyer and Anthony Stone versus Mr. Touchdown. I'm going to guess that ACH will probably get through and probably take on Mr. Touchdown from what I've from what I've seen from the promotional clips that they're doing. It seems like they're the guys that they're pushing the most. We then also have the other matches on the card. We've got Fire Ant, Green Ant and the Salant taking on the Bateri and they're billing that as a possible preview for the King of Trios, which by the way, if you're interested in no more names have been added apart from from the 15 that we talked about last week, so I'm guessing the final team will be announced this weekend as part of the show. 
Then we've got the mysterious and handsome stranger, which, as Randy said last week, he thinks is uh, is the oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'm gonna get so lambasted with this. The guy that basically got fired a few months back from Shikarosaurus Rex. How to dismantle a nuclear bomb or whatever it was called, but I think it was was it Dasher? No, it wasn't Dash, was it? But it was the, it was the guy from the throwbacks anyway. That it looks like he's coming in. He's going to be facing. Well, if it is him, of course, he's going to be taking on Tim Donst. Then we've got a four corner elimination tag team bat with Ultramantis and Frightmare taking on 3.0, taking on Cannon and Corbin, and taking on the Bravado Brothers. Which Bravado Brothers have been impressive so far from the few bits that I have seen in publicity and some of the matches that I've caught on YouTube of their previous stuff because I'm trying to keep I'm trying to get up to scratch with some of the big names in indie tags and indie singles composition. We've got Jigsaw taking on seventeen, which after what I've seen of Jigsaw when he was Rubik's in uh TNA I've probably become a Jigsaw fan and want to see every match that he's done ever now, so I'll probably have to read the archives of that. Uh, then we've got an Atomico's Extranaos. Oh, hang on. I better say it right because I'm supposed to be Mexican in a previous life. Atomico's Extranos, I think. Apologize if I got it wrong, but you've got the Swarm and the Shard taking on Fist and Sugar Dunkerton. So again, I I think that's partially a King of Trios, but it's King of Trios with Sugar Dunkerton and King of Trios with the Shard. I'm not sure, but that looks a interesting match. And then the main event for the show, Shoot a Crooked Arrow, is Mike Quackenbush versus Colt Cabana, which both very good technical wrestlers so that is probably going to be a great main event and one that I'd be desperate to see so hopefully they get released relatively soon uh, on DVD that I can catch them and then on Sunday the 18th we've got Ring of Wax which is sees the final of the Young Lions Cup the winners of the previous one will take on the yeah the winners of the previous one will take on each other in this final to be who will be the the champion of champions I guess in the Young Lions Cup anyway another champion of champions is the right phrase but what's one of the matches we're also going to have Saturn versus Tim Dunst so we've got some mixed Mixed wrestling action there. Then some more Atomico craziness with uh, Fire Ant, Green Ant, and 3.0 taking on Fist and Dunkerton. So two tag teams teaming up to take on a trio and a fourth guy. Then Lancelot Bravado taking on the mysterious and handsome stranger. Then a tag team warfare match with the Spectral Envoy taking on Cannon and Corbin then the Swarm versus the Bateri in a six man tag so another probable King of Trios warm up then a non-title match between Eddie Kingston and Harlem Bravado 
I'm guessing Eddie... Well, no, Eddie Kingston may not win that because obviously it's non-title, but it should be uh, a decent match. And then what should be even more decent is... It says a score to be settled, but I'm not fully aware of everything regards to the feud that's happened. Randy will probably educate me on it when we talk about or review the results or whatever next week. But Mike Quackenbush and Jigsaw team up to take on 17 in the Shard. Which, again, should be a good match because Quackenbush and Jigsaw... I know Quackenbush wasn't happy with Jigsaw at one point previously when Jigsaw... He unmasked himself, and Quackenbush was like, you've got to stay keyframe, but we'll see. And then that's that's going to be all from Shikara until, as I mentioned before, the King of Trios three nights taking place in September. But the final, I believe the final team for that will be revealed over this coming weekend, and we'll probably report it as part of the news or some segment next week on the show so I guess that's all we really have to talk about for this week so with that before I get to the publicity once again to remind you the email address to contact us certainly the email address for the next week or so to contact us with your thoughts on the Ring of Honor show your thoughts on Shikara, your thoughts on local indie events where you are, or news that you think we should mention. SNS.TWIS at Yahoo.com. That's SNS.TWIS at Yahoo.com. And with that, that's the end of our show, but you've got plenty of time now to check out all the other shows here on the SNS Radio Network. Live on Tuesday nights at 9pm Eastern, you've got the flagship show of the network, Wrestling News Live, with JJ, Trey, and I don't know, I don't even want to go the tripod, tripod way, so I'll just say the Bronx father, Tony Marabella. Thursday, you've got TNA Chat Live, taking basically going straight after the post-show finishes at... I think it's 10.30 Eastern on Thursday nights with Trey. Fridays, you've got the open book with myself and Sean at 11.30 Eastern covering wrestling, video games, entertainment, and anything else I can get away with. Also, I believe coming up in the next week or so will be the archived version of open book spoilers in case if if you didn't hear it live it was basically discussion about uh some major spoilers in movies and video games as well so keep in mind with that that it's always going to be delayed by a few weeks from when it's actually recorded live because they want to give you, you want to give you people the chance to see the thing, whether it be a movie or play the game, and try and do it in time. But if I have to, and there's another one, I'm going to think of every single major spoiler I can think for major movies over the past sixty years, and do as many as I can in a minute. 
And I'm just tempted to be perverted that way. But anyway, I'll, I'll probably get lambasted by Sean for that. So, Sean, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm just... This is what happens when you get a solo show and I'm venting opinion and various stuff. We've also, podcast-wise, we've got Beyond the Bear with Sean Beckerman, Running the Ropes with Crelly and Mav, the Elite Force podcast. You can tell that Randy isn't here. <laughs> with the midweek edition with... Chuck W and the weekend edition with Walkie and Mime Wipe. And I was going to say something then, but I'll probably save it for next week. And the person knows what I'm talking about. So I apologize that the thing that I, you wanted to happen didn't happen, but you never know. It might happen next week. So, uh, that's all for all the podcasts I can remember off the top of my head, apart from us. But also, this weekend, because it's SummerSlam, Sunday Night Showdown is going on. I believe JJ being away with some other commitments. So it'll be Trey and Bronx in charge there, covering all the stuff going on uh, in Los Angeles. The place of the angels, according to Captain Scarlet. Yes, I had to bring in something British at some point in the show, and it was right at the end. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, catch that at 8 p.m. Eastern. Is it? Yeah, 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, one, one in the morning for me. Oh, the brilliance of having to be up till late at night in order to do all these shows or listen to them. It's, It's... It's a negative thing, but hey, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it, and I hope you guys do as well at more reasonable times of the day, obviously, if you listen live and everything. But, you know, it's 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 a pleasure to be part of this, and this is probably the first time I've said this on here, but thank you to everyone involved with the network for giving myself the chance both on here and on open book and just being part of the network itself which even in the chat room being a acknowledged person there so thanks to everyone for that i don't i don't want it to go like an academy award speech because i don't want the music playing in the background cute brass i just getting some random music and just putting it over just to really try and spite me when i listen to this back when it gets put up you can cut the music now. Right, so with that, Song of the Night is a track from X, I believe. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but it was one that Randy wanted to be played as part of uh, the build-up to SummerSlam. So now's probably the best time to play it, given that SummerSlam is just around the corner. So with that, there has been no Randy this time. But there was just about some Ashley is my name. So with that, that was your slice of indie goodness for this week. And I leave you with a thought that if tin whistles are made of tin, what do they make foghorns out of? Night, guys, and this is Los Angeles. <laughs>